We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. episode here of setting the pace and it is nba draft season time michael Fachi joining me again Fachi, what's up my brother how you doing oh man what a time of the year especially now that we know exactly where the pacers are picking in the draft let the fun begin and they got pick 32 Fachi, which we did not know if they were going to get so that is a blessing right there now almost four first round draft picks but you know we got one right there at the beginning of the second so it's going to make things interesting so today Fachi, on the mock draft We've got two special guests. We've got Stephen Galepsi and Keenan Womack. Stephen, I'll start with you. Thanks so much for coming on. Let everybody know your background when it comes to the NBA draft. Yeah, so I've been covering the draft for a few cycles now. Formerly held like a a, a nationally um, viewed uh, NBA podcast. So I got into the draft habit and I could not stop, man. So then um, No Ceilings was kind enough to reach out to me and pick me up. And the rest is very recent history. You know, we've got a lot going on at No Ceilings that, that we're excited about. Um, draft guide coming out very soon. And, you know, the draft community has been very kind to me, man. So I'm blessed and humbled to be here. Thank you all so much, Alex and Fachi, for reaching out. And uh, I'm, I'm ready for this exercise. But for the <laughs> listeners that want to follow me, they can do so on Twitter at Stephen G Hoops. That's Stephen, the letter G. Uh, hoops and um, all my written work is available at noceilingsnba.com um, i'm on mondays on the draft deeper show on the uh, no ceilings nba podcast feed anywhere you get your podcast we have shows five days a week and uh, we have youtube videos on no ceilings tv over at youtube so a lot of places you can find us if you want draft coverage we got you covered from every angle great stuff there and that is steven with a ph not a v ladies and gentlemen correct so- the proper way to spell steven <laughs> for you yeah, start beef, dude. You start beef with the V Stevens. <laughs> got to hold it down, man. Got to represent. 
And that voice right there is Keenan Womack, our Texas native. Keenan, what's going on, man? What's going? Uh, what's what's you got coming out for us? Oh yeah, man. Uh, once again, appreciate y'all having me on. Of course, um, I'm Keenan Womack. I write for Rivals, covering uh, Texas Longhorns men's basketball, uh, regular season and recruiting and transfer portal. And then I have my own site called Draft Punk, where I do draft breakdowns. And uh, now that the transfer portal's closed, I'm going to be a lot more busy over on Draft Punk. So catch myself on Twitter's at Keenan Womack and uh, ready to get started. All right, let's do it. So ladies and gentlemen, how we're going to do this is we're all going to just keep making picks until we get to pick 32 for the Pacers. We'll make that pick. We'll wrap it up. But we're going to do this in two parts. Part one will be picks one through 16. Part two will be picks 17 through 32. So I, I we decided on air who is going to get what pick. So Steven's going to start us off with pick number one. Keenan will have pick two. Fachi will have pick three. I'll have pick four. Then we'll just keep going until we get all of them done. So Steven, I think everybody's ready. What are you going to do with the number one overall pick in the draft? Yeah, so for the number one overall pick, which the San Antonio Spurs were, uh, however you want to view it, they have no history of being in prime position to take talented big men at the beginning of the draft. And this is the mother of all draft classes to do that. We're going to be taking Victor Wimbanyama out of France, played for the Metropolitans in 92. And he is just unlike anything that we've ever seen. You know, one thing that we like to do in the draft communities, we like to compare skill sets and, you know, player archetypes from what we've seen and how successful it is when they translate over. There's, there's no reference point that we can point to with Victor Wimbanyama and say, it'll work because of this, or it won't work because of this. You know, that makes him just a unique talent in of himself. I, I've been saying all season long that he plays basketball like a seven foot five Jason Tatum. Take that for what it's worth. You know, like that's a very unique skill set, very unique package. There are a lot of people that are concerned about the weight and the injury history, uh, things like that. But he is, um, he's filling out pretty well. He's still a very young man. He's going to have to get acclimated to NBA style of play. That's something that a lot of international players ha have to have to kind of suffer through a little bit initially. But overall, I have high expectations. I think everybody does. Uh, I'm not a big fan of like the, the best prospect ever uh, conversations or the best prospect in team sports history, things of that nature. I think that a lot of people are trying to uh, – plant their flag in some unique territory with that. But overall, man, like you can't knock the fact that he's probably one of the most heavily anticipated prospects that we've seen since LeBron James. And that is, uh, is very fortunate for the San Antonio fan base. And even though that they have their best players playing in the front court, Victor Wimbenyama is just an alien. He's the blue guy from Space Jam and he's everybody's <laughs> favorite character in Space Jam. So why not go ahead and get him here? Yeah, Fachi, what are your thoughts on this pick? I mean, I would have been stunned if there was any other pick. Victor <laughs> Wembanyama right now is is the hot name and should be for years to come. I think that uh, I think it was Chris Broussard said like if he's Hakeem Olajuwon or anything like that, it's it's a disappointment. What a I think stupid that's a crazy, crazy statement to make. Pump your pump your brakes. Exactly. If this is how we set people up for failure. Victor will be special, but let him be Victor and not be compared to anyone else. What we're seeing right now, Stephen, your point might be something that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. All right, Keenan, you got the second pick. Uh, this is a, this is where I think the draft does kind of start a little bit, at least for picks two and three. But I'm curious, what do you do here for the Hornets? 
The Hornets will be taking, without question, without a second thought, Scoot Henderson. Okay. Thank you. Um, I don't understand the people who are putting Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. Um, not that Brandon Miller is an excellent player. He's going to be a great player. But Scoot is the second best player in this class with a bullet. Um, I don't think there's any argument you can have for anybody over him at two. Extremely strong, hyper-athletic, super quick, great finisher, decent defender, improved his jump shot. I really like Scoot as a prospect, and uh, I think he's going to be excellent with LaMelo, and that's going to be a really fun backcourt. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts because Brandon Miller does maybe make more sense on paper, but I feel like Scoot Henderson and LaMelo can play together, and it just feels like anybody that says they can is clearly not watching them play because they both play completely different styles. And some people ask me, well, if the pace would have jumped to two, could Scoot have played with Tyrese? And I think the answer is yes. But I just feel like when you have the chance to get this high in the draft, you just take the best player available. And let's be honest, does LaMelo really seem like a long-term option in Charlotte? Because I feel like there could be questions there. And I've been thinking about this trade idea for a while. I'm curious your thoughts on this, Keenan and Steven. Keenan, I'll have you answer first. Yeah, we know the Rockets are trying to win now, and yeah. I think that the Hornets could go into complete rebuild mode and would make a lot of sense. What about trading Lamelo Ball to the Rockets for pick four? What are your thoughts on that? Wow, Kevin? that's a great question, man. I haven't thought about that. That is excellent. Um, <laughs> maybe you do it in this draft, man. This draft is really good, and like. I really like the guy that most people have for Amen Thompson, but I'll let whoever picks him talk about him. But, <laughs> you know, I like the idea of of getting that guy. And, uh, you know, that would be crazy to have him and Henderson on the same team. <laughs> they may be a little redundant, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'll let somebody else talk and then I'll give you my decision. <laughs> but that's a really good question. All right, Stephen. And then I'll have you answer this one, Flatchy, after that. Yeah, so I'm just uh... – I'm kind of blown away uh, just for the idea that the Hornets are saying we got Scoot, now let's trade LaMelo and double down. I think that there are a number of great wing prospects or forward prospects that would be available here. A little bit lower on the Amen Thompson uh, train than some other people, but I think Keenan would agree, and I kind of echo what he just said earlier, that this is a great draft to do that. If you're going to make a franchise-altering decision um, and, and try to look to establish a young rebuilding identity, this is a draft class to do that. I think this one might rival the 96, the 03, you know, the the 84, like whatever draft class you want to put up there on a Mount Rushmore. I yeah. think that this one might be up there. So I'm with Keenan in that aspect. If you're going to do it in any draft class, do it in this one. I think it's a fun trade, but I do think if you have LaMelo, Scoot, and Jalen Green all want the ball for the Rockets, there's just not enough ball to go around. So I think well, if you won't be on the Rockets. Uh, okay, this is Scoot going to the Hornets. Okay. Yeah, he would be the second yeah. pick, okay. and then you're just sending LaMelo to the Rockets for pick four. I, I, I like it in terms of the Hornets making the trade, but uh, I, I don't know if I'm in love with that for the Rockets if that's the move. I do know that there's a lot of rumors with James Harden potentially returning over there, but I just don't know if you put LaMelo on the Rockets. They're obviously better, but how much better are they? They're definitely. I would say they definitely get better, but... Is that the move that really launches you forward? I'm not sure. At the fourth overall pick, I, I think that you could get a lot from that. LaMelo is due a, a big-time contract very soon, and I don't think the Rockets are ready to win. 
Well, that's that's not what they're saying, though. They're saying they want to win now. Ime Udoka came in there, I think, defensive-minded coach. He's going to probably re, you know, re, get a lot of demand out of LaMelo if that was the trade. Now, I don't think Amin Thompson would make a lot of sense here with Scoot. So I think you'd have to pivot and probably look at drafting somebody else. And if Brandon Miller's not there at four, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Whitmore went here at four for the Hornets. Mm -hmm. Because I like the idea of Scoot and Cam together with P.J. Washington coming back. They can figure out the Miles Bridges stuff. I don't really necessarily want to invest in someone like that right now after everything that just went down last year with him and his suspension to start the year. But I just think Mark Williams as your center, Scoot as your point, Cam Whitmore as your three, Let's get this thing in rebuild mode. Let's sell off Gordon Hayward. Let's kind of go about rebuilding this thing from the ground up with a franchise-changing player in Scoot and, potent- and potentially Cam Whitmore. I just I think the Rockets are kind of overthinking this a little bit, in my opinion, trying to bring James Harden back. I mean, I think LaMelo Ball is kind of similar to James Harden in terms of how they play offensively. Maybe not as the same game, but dominant ball handler. And I think we know that LaMelo is a willing passer. I think Jalen Green would benefit from someone like that. They could really play a fast-paced tempo. Don't think Sengun really fix, fits there with that team, but I just think at four, if they're not sold on who they want to take, uh, Keenan, I, I just feel like it could make a lot of sense to go after uh, LaMelo. I think um, having thought about it, uh, I don't really want to trade LaMelo if I'm, <laughs> I'm Charlotte. I think you let – I know it's a meme. You let Scoot – you let Lamella, you let them cook together. You just let them cook together. You see what happens. You know, I think you got to give it some time. I think that could be a scary good backcourt. Yeah. Um, I do get the idea, though, if you trade, you, you want to go after maybe a wing with your pick um, uh, right after, like like Whitmore, or maybe even you go like like a four, maybe even Walker, somebody like that. But, yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, I That's a good question. I think if I'm Charlotte, though, I think I'm going to keep Lamella and I'm going to pair him with Scoot. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I'm not a Hornets fan or a Rockets fan, so I'm not really, you know, losing sleep over this from from my standpoint. I just a just a thought out there. But uh, let's keep it moving. Facha, you're up here with the Blazers pick. Are you going to stun us? Or are we keeping a uh, consensus here? I think we're going to keep a consensus here. We're going with Brandon Miller, a player that you mentioned. He will not be available for the Houston Rockets at pick four because he's going to the Blazers. What they do with this pick afterwards, that's up to them. But Brandon Miller, at one point, viewed as you know, the number two pick in the draft at times, he, he flirted in that category. He's he's a home run pick at three. You're looking at the best wing in this draft, I, in my opinion, at, at this point, small forward-wise, six foot nine. I mean, there's a lot to love. Good rebounder, good shooter. I think that he projects to be an all-star on the next level. So I know right now we're starting to hear some conflicting reports. Whoa, saying great things. Uh, I forgot who else it was, had a comment. Looked like maybe trying to drop the stock a little bit for Brandon Miller. I wonder if that's a chess move there, but I don't see him really going past pick three. And I think that if the Blazers are to keep him, he's a really good player that they could pair with Shaden Sharp and Dame Lillard. However, if they look to, you know, move that pick, I think someone's going to move up to take Brandon Miller. So uh, that's, that's where the pick three is going to be with Brandon Miller. Steven, let me ask you this. Would it be smart of the Blazers to trade this pick to try to win now with Damian Lillard? I mean, it depends on what their 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 motive is. Is if if Dame is ready to win, you just kind of say, "Hey, man, thank you for your service. Where do you want to go?" And we'll try to help you out and send you out gracefully. Because I think that sends a good message to the players within the rest of the NBA. Because this is not a desirable market, right? Like they they have so uh, so much of a hard time trying to attract talent 
away from their franchise. They have to build throughout the draft. And let's not, for, let's not forget that there's going to be CBA changes in the following years, right? So they really have to nail this move if they're going to establish what they want to look like for the years to come. So I think it could make sense to trade this pick to make Dame happy. But you also might want to consider, again, back to what Keena said earlier, if you ever want to trade a superstar and let's rebuild, this is the draft class to do it. Um, so my buddy Metcalf over at No Ceilings had a really great idea. He's a he's a Timberwolves fan, so this might be a little um, more suited for his own biases. But he said, what if the Blazers traded the number three pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves for name your name your player, except anyone except uh, Anthony Edwards? And then the Timberwolves get the third pick and then they draft Scoot Henderson if he falls. And then you have a team of Scoot Henderson and uh, and um, Anthony Edwards on your team like that could be scary for years to come. So the Blazers, they 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 they're in a win win situation. Either they draft a guy like a Brandon Miller uh, and continue to build this team from the inside like they have been or. They just, again, say thank you, Dame, for everything that you've done for us. We want to help you in, in the years to come. Name your team, and we'll try to get a good pick this year. That's really interesting about the Timberwolves. I don't necessarily think that I would do that if I was Portland because who are you getting back? You're getting Carl Anthony Towns? It's strictly Towns if you're not – if Edwards yeah. isn't on the I table. Mean, I honestly think if I'm the Blazers, I'd rather have Jaden McDaniels at this point than Carl Anthony Towns. I think that he's probably the second best, as uh, se second best asset on – the Minnesota team, and they don't even have picks really to move going forward. Yeah. So it's like I, I don't really think I see a pathway there for a trade to happen between those two teams. And honestly, when it comes to the Blazers, I just don't see a great trade partner for them to get the right value for who what Brandon Miller could become. I, I think that for me personally, you have to realize they just hired Mike Schmitz last year, one yeah. of the best draft coverage people of all time. You think yeah. he's there to try to build a championship contender? I don't think so. I think that that was kind of the writing on the wall of like, hey, we're trying to rebuild this thing a little bit. And that's why they took a risky pick in Shaden Sharp last year, who they love now. And I think that they would rather keep him than Anthony Simons. So uh, I think personally, to me, it makes zero sense to trade this pick. I'm I'm taking offers for Dame and I'm rebuilding. I know that sounds so crazy, but as great and as loyal as Dame has been, if he's not around, if he doesn't want to stick around for a rebuild, then we got to do what's best for our franchise. And I think at this point, where are they going to make it to the championship with Dame Lillard as their main guy? I, I think we've seen the peak of Dame Lillard being yep. that guy already, and they got to the Western Conference Finals, and that was it. So for me personally, I think he needs to go somewhere else, or they need to bring another name that's bigger than him in there to, to really get to the where they're trying to get to. And, and Keenan, you might think I'm crazy, but I just feel like no. you just don't pass up on Brandon Miller here because you're trying to appease Damian Lillard, and what are you going to get? Jeremy Grant? or not Jeremy Grant, uh, Pascal Siakam. I've seen that thrown around. Yeah. He's got, he's on one year. He's inspiring. He could leave right after that. So that, to me, makes no sense. It could. That also move doesn't put them over the top anyway. No. Right. Know, like the Siakam move. Siakam is great. Don't get me wrong. Really good forward. But I don't think that that move makes a big enough. So I think about some of the duos in the West, you know, that they're going to have to contend with if they try. I mean, Shaden Sharp's looking like he's going to become something pretty great. Um, I know it's really early. I liked a lot of what I saw from him this year. I thought he was pretty good um, in the NBA. Not uh, he didn't play at Kentucky, obviously, but yeah, I I, I don't know, man. I I think uh, I think you're probably right. I think Brandon Miller sitting there, gotta take him. And uh, I think you're probably right. They should probably rebuild. They should probably 
get Dame to anybody but the Lakers or, you know, just, just get them, get, get back some picks, get back some, uh, some young assets and uh, probably rebuild. It sucks. I love Dame. He's one of my favorite players of all time, regardless of team, but you know, it's been shown he, he by himself cannot win a title. No player by himself can, but I like the idea of rebuilding in Portland and giving Dame like a respectful uh, trade out. If I if I may just real quick, I mean there sure. there are two there are two Orlando Magic picks coming up. Yeah, mm. that that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Dame They're gonna trade one of those picks. I feel like don't you think they'll trade one of those picks? They might, and I mean Dame and Paulo already have a relationship, and they got Franz Wagner there. Oh man. That would be a team for sure. Yeah, I think the Magic do look to the Magic probably do look to move one of those picks because they have a lot of young players on that team. Yeah. To add two more studs in the top eleven feels like a lot, almost like someone's got to go. But to tie a bow on, on the Portland situation, this is their rare chance right now to really be able to trade Dame, a player who still in his prime that you can get a lot of assets for Jeremy Grant free agent. You could avoid spending a lot of money on re-signing him building around Shaden Sharp, Brandon Miller, the assets that you get for Dame. And if they're to bottom out, they might find themselves picking top five next year with a really young core. That's all on the same timeline. And I think that that's a rare opportunity for a team that struggles to really draw free agents. I mean, that's a great point, Fachi. They don't draw a lot of free agents. So that's that's why you got to be smart with how you build your team and you can't put the cart before the horse. I think you got to just take things slowly. And that's what they did before and look where they got. And I think they got to continue to do that once again. But uh, I'm going to go ahead here and pick for the Rockets at number four. And we're not doing trade. So I'm going to keep a in Thompson here. I know that uh, there are some question marks with the men's game overall. And he has a terrible jump shot. I mean, it's non-existent really, but he's he's an incredible athlete, great passer. Really good stop and go stuff. I, I really like his game, and I think he could be fun with this team right here. And I think that his defensive upside with Ime Udoka makes me a little bit excited to see what he could become. I think more so for the Rockets, this is about fit more than it is about in terms of what I have on my overall board. But um, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this, Stephen. Where do you what do you like about a men with the Rockets? I like that it fits a position of need. You know, they need, uh, you know, the proverbial straw that stirs the drink. And I think that Amin Thompson has a legitimate shot to do that. The one concern that I had about any prospect going to Houston has now seemingly been um, fixed by bringing in a coach like Ime Udoka. So a little bit of an infrastructure already coming there, known commodity and a head coach, someone that's going to hold these young guys accountable, something that they really haven't had a lot throughout this year. Um, it keeps them from adding another, you know, four or five on this roster or two, right? So mm. they got a lot of guys that need set up. They got a, they have a lot of guys that need set up. They run a lot of their offense through, you know, Alperin Shangun. So it gives them another creative wrinkle to implement in their offense. This team is young. They like to run. Amen Thompson fits that style of play to a T, and he brings them solid point of attack defense. He can pick up the tougher perimeter assignment with ease. And he's that kind of jumbo creator that we see have success. I'm going to be talking about a guy, I'm sure, at some point here on, on this podcast. But similarly, Amin has that unique blend of feel and size. And we see that succeed more often than we see it fail in today's NBA. So the amount of pressure he can put on the rim, the, the, the players on this team that he can kick the ball out to as they continue to grow together, I, I, I like the fit. I understand it, although – 
I have a man a little bit lower on my big board. Yeah. Uh, Keenan, you, you brought it up earlier that this would be who you pick a four to. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. And then we'll move on to your pick uh, for the Pistons, Steven. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge amen Thompson guy. Um, I, I get it. OTE, not exactly a league that you're going to like, like I watched a lot of his film. I didn't find out a ton about him. I, I got a little bit more watching his AAU stuff um, actually, but he is so athletic yeah. at six, seven. He needs to tighten his handle a little bit. Like you said, the jump shot's not great, but he shows flashes of high-level creation. Um, I think he plays point guard in the NBA. I know uh, Alser or Alser? How do you pronounce Alser? Asar. Asar, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Asar projects as a wing for me, but I really think you play amen as like a ball-dominant guard, and he's such a freak athletically. Like, it's, it's one of those like kind of – low floor, high ceiling type picks. Like I see people picking Brandon Miller over Amen, which would make sense, I think, because if you're looking at highest floor, because Brandon Miller, I feel like has a pretty high floor. He's got a lot of scalable traits, things that will translate very obviously. Um, But if you're looking for just upside, man, Amen Thompson could end up being like an all-star type guy. I mean, just an absolute freak athlete, super fast. Um, explosive, like like top 10 in the NBA athletically, like that kind of athleticism for him. Um, so I love that pick. Whoever gets him, I think, is, is going to get a really good player. It might take a couple of seasons um, for them to get, you know, um, uh, used to the league, but I love the Amen Thompson uh, pick and uh, whoever takes him, honestly. Awesome stuff. All right, Steve, let's go back to you here. Pistons up on the clock. What you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with the highest uh... – player on my board right now and a guy that if you have the fourth pick like the the Houston Rockets do and this is long thought to be a three-headed monster um, as far as the top of the draft like obviously Victor Wembanyama is the clear-cut number one there's a debate as to who's the second best prospect but the third guy is going to be um, teams are going to be equally as happy for whoever lands third the fourth pick is start, is where fan bases are probably a little bit concerned, like, oh, my goodness, we don't have anybody that we can potentially have to kind of turn our fortunes around. I think you're. I think that thought press is a little bit weak, and I think that Cam Whitmore could be a star in the NBA. Now, he has a, a low assist number. Um, I wrote about that over at NoSillingsNBA.com, and I contextualized the Villanova season. and their passing numbers and and even finishing numbers were atrocious. You know, they had to suffer the the loss of one of the best basketball head coaches in recent history and play with a a coach who's trying to find his own identity within a story program on probably one of the lowest ranking uh, teams that they've had in quite some time. Right. So Cam Whitmore also suffered a hand injury. So that's why those shooting numbers were took a bit of a toll at the beginning of the season. Plus, he didn't have that traditional, let's play against, you know, North, Southwest, East State Community College um, and, and get those numbers kind of bolstered whenever he hit tough conference play. His first game was against Oklahoma, which is like not a slouch as far as a basketball program. So mm-hmm. I think Cam, his scoring, his athleticism to me is right up there with the Thompsons. I And I think that we saw that with the recent um, pictures that we saw circulating on social media where he cleared like the 40-inch jump um, metric. He just has so much to his game. I think the shot is there. He shot 
34, 35% from the year. And again, that was on coming in off of a hand injury and the athleticism allows him to get to wherever he wants. And he looks like he's going to be a tremendous wing defender. So when you're pairing that type of player with a, you know, Kate Cunningham, Jay Nivey, what we're seeing from uh, Jalen Duran, who looks like he's going to be a top half of the league center at some point in his career. Teams that have these like kind of potential, like star potential wings that grow into that potential. Those are the teams that we see make deep playoff runs. And they already have the other type of player archetypes that make a team successful. Picking Cam Whitmore here makes way too much sense for me if I'm Detroit. Yeah, that's that's a you stated it very well there. I think there's nothing else to add to that. So let's move on to Keenan here for the Magic at six. Hmm. All right. I'm going to shock the world here. I'm going to reach a little bit. Um, and it's not even really a position of need, but it's a really good player that I think is going to be a fantastic NBA player. I'm going to take Anthony Black at six. Okay. Arkansas guard, um, really, really good distributor, really good defender, high athleticism, high IQ, plays hard, gets to the rim, just does everything you need. I just, I think Anthony Black is such a good prospect for so many reasons. And like, I feel like he's, a lot of people have him around 10, you know, and I just don't think he's going to be there at 10. I I think that would be shocking if he fell that far. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to reach here and I'm going to take Anthony Black because I just love the upside of a six, seven athletic guard who can, who can really do everything you need to do from the lead guard spot at six foot seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, this is a weird spot for the magic because I feel like they, Anthony Black does make a lot of sense. They could go with maybe Jairus Walker. They could Jairus go. Walker was my other choice for sure. Yeah, I think they could have gone with Taylor Hendricks too. I just think there's a lot of options there for them. But I do like Anthony Black. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they would put him at because they do have quite a few guards already on that roster. But if he was there at eight for the Wizards, that's who I would have taken. So I yeah. think that at six, it's a it's a pretty good fit there. So Fachi, you're up for the Pacers at seven. What are you doing? This is where things get very interesting because I wasn't expecting Anthony Black at pick six. So right now, I mean, I'm 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 Pacers. I'm swinging for upside with Asaris Thompson, and this is someone that I didn't necessarily think would be there initially. But when it comes to the Pacers, it's hard to be able to land a potential star player. And I think that by adding Asar to this team, you're getting a six-seven wing. Obviously, just like his brother, struggles, you know, shooting the ball, but very capable defender. I think that, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, very capable defender. I think the shot will come as time goes on. But this is someone that you could add to to the mix where, you know, you're getting a great passer. You're getting a really good rebounder. That 6-7 frame is everything that the Pacers have been lacking. And it was really, really hard to pass on Jarris Walker there. But this is the Pacers really swinging for a home run here instead of maybe swinging for, you know, a double or a triple. So with this, I think they rolled the dice on a player with a really high upside, knowing that, you know, maybe he doesn't quite hit it. Steven, would this have been the pick for you for the Pacers at seven? Uh, no, sir, it would not. Uh, I have Asar a little bit lower on my board. I can't get the idea of Jarris Walker being an Indiana Pacer out of my head if, if I'm picking right here. And, and Fauci, I, I don't blame you at all because it's just, it's just how I um, evaluate him as a prospect. There are other people at no ceilings that actually love him over a man Thompson and, and gladly would have taken him at this spot. I, I like um, Jarris Walker. I think that he is like a place tomorrow type player. 
immediately. And I think too, that the way the DHO capability that he and Halliburton would have with each other would just be insane, especially with the way that Miles Turner can space the floor and you have all these other guards that can play off of him. And when we had Marcus Sasser on, on those ceilings, he said that, and, and this could be a little bit biased, right? Obviously it's his teammate. He said that he has, that he looks at, um, Jairus Walker as a guard and there's just so much in his game that he just was not able to show an actual gameplay playing for Houston but I, I understand the pick I'm just a fan of Jairus Walker at that mm. spot but that's just me yeah I think that I would have it's hard to say that you wouldn't want to take a star because of the upside because it's like very intriguing I think that there's always been this talk of well the Pacers can get Cam Whitmore Taylor Hendricks or Jairus Walker but Asar Thompson mm-hmm. to me also I think he's got a higher ceiling than both Taylor uh, Hendricks and Jairus Walker, which makes this really an interesting pick, especially for Pacer fans. You're like, where's the high upside? Now, I did do a poll on Twitter asking about those four names, and Asar was the lowest ranked one there. So I think fans are very into the idea of Jairus Walker because he does fit a position of need for the Pacers. But I might have actually taken Taylor Hendricks if I was the Pacers at this point, just because I do like the upside there. I, I like the shooting part of his game a little bit more solidified there than a Jairus Walker. But um, at number eight, this is a really tough spot for me because I thought I was either going to get a SAR or Anthony Black here at eight for the Wizards. I think that Jairus Walker does make a little bit of sense here at eight, but I wondered, are they going to bring Kyle Kuzma back? What's with up with Porzingis? Is there playing time there? So then I'm like, does Taylor Hendricks make sense? And I'm like, yeah, they need a point guard. So I think I'm just going to go out here and take a reach here and take Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky. I don't think that's really a huge reach. I, I think I have Casey Wallace nine on my board. Um, I think he's an excellent defensive player. He's from he's from Dallas, so uh, he played for Richardson. He was in the same backcourt actually as Rylan Griffin, who played for Alabama this past year. Okay, uh, at Richardson High School. So I'm sort of familiar with this game, but he's an excellent defensive player. He kind of reminds me of Drew Holiday a little bit, you know, just like. Mm-hmm. Pretty big. He's, I think he's six four. Let me look at my board. Yeah, yeah he's six he foot four. Yeah, mm-hmm. six four. So he's got he's got good height for for a guard. Um, and he's a really good defensive player. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I remember watching a game of his this year though, where he almost had a triple double with steals. Like he had nine steals or eight steals in a game. So mm-hmm. he's super active hands. Really, um, like high motor type of defender, just kind of all over the all over the court. And uh, I think that's a really pretty good pick. I, I just don't think Casey Wallace is going to be a bad pick for anybody. I think he's a very high floor guy. Yeah, and we know what, and we know the Washington Wizards love themselves a Kentucky point guard. So yeah. uh, just got to keep that narrative going. I, I, I like Casey Wallace as a prospect. I have him as eleven on my board right now, where I currently stand. It, it's tough. I just feel like he is a good player, probably a little bit under the radar still because Kentucky didn't have the year that I think a lot of people were hoping they would have. But um, we're back to Steven at number nine for the Utah Jazz. What do you got? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to go ahead and um, take the highest player on my board. I have him fifth overall, and that would be Jairus Walker. Now, yep. a little bit of um, duplicity, you know, between Lowry Marketing and Jairus Walker. Then you have the uh, the freak of nature that was Walker Kessler. Walker, if you're listening, again, I'm so sorry for where I had you last year. Please forgive me. And they got, got <laughs> and they got you know, vets on this team like uh, Kelly Olenek. And, you know, they're Colin Sexton at the guard. They got, you know – uh, THT on this team as well. I just think that um, the front court can use what Jairus brings to the table uh, for as much as people talk about the, the switchable defense, the strength, the rebounding. Um, I just think that people kind of also forget how well he shot the ball, albeit on low volume, right? So True. the passing is there. He can, t- he does fit the five out system that coach Hardy has. And I think with how unique of a, of a um, system that coach Hardy implements adding a kind of Swiss army knife, like a Jairus Walker makes that team all the more dangerous. And again, I think he's a play tomorrow type player. I think he's a can play for all 30 NBA teams, no matter what system you have type player. It's a, it's a can't miss fit with Utah and Jairus Walker. Flatchy, you like this fit? Yeah. I mean, look, the fact that Walker was still on the board at nine, I think is pretty shocking because everybody talks about how much they, they love him but he's sitting there at nine. I mean, that at that point, the value is just so good for the Utah Jazz that you can't pass him up. You know, I was even torn passing him up at seven for the Pacers. So, uh, uh, Stephen, to your point before, I do believe that he is NBA ready from day one. You know, the defense will be there. The offense will come compared to some of these other players where it is swinging for the fences with higher upside that maybe never comes. So, for the Jazz at nine, great pick. All right, let's keep it moving. Keenan, you're up at 10 here for the Mavericks. Who are you taking? My hometown team, and I got the guy that I wanted for them the whole time. I Grady Taylor Dick. Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not Grady Dick. Taylor Hendricks. <laughs> I heard a lot of Grady Dick smoke, and I was like, man, don't do that. I like. I think Grady Dick's no, really he's good. good. But, like, he's not what the Mavericks need. The Mavericks started arguably the worst front court in the NBA last year. Like, yeah. 
Dwight Powell plays like 30 minutes a night for this team. Like it's really bad. They have to get somebody over six, nine who can play a little bit of defense and rebound. And I mean, even, even uh, Taylor Hendricks is kind of a stretch big. He can, you know, he shoot pretty well. Yeah. Um, so that's 40% from three last year. Yeah. He's just, he's like a sniper and he's got great size, really good defender. I think he's, everything the Mavericks want. I think he'd help space the floor. I think he would help Luca out. Uh, they just need somebody down there who's a player, just kind of a, a guy who's just kind of a badass. And they haven't really had that at that position really right. in a long time, maybe even since Tyson Chandler. And I think uh, Taylor Hendricks could be a guy that changes the culture of that, of, of that and they start getting tougher because their big problem last year is they were awful defensively. They didn't, it looked like they didn't try a lot of mm-hmm. time, you know. So um, I think Taylor Hendricks, that's the guy I wanted. That's who I've been talking about the whole time. So I'm really happy that he fell with Mavericks. Yeah, I got a crush on Taylor Hendricks. I'm not going to lie. And I would love a seven for the Pacers. I mean, we were doing a, a, a podcast with uh, Ryan Hammer about him. And I said, if the Pacers jumped up to four and they decided to take Taylor Hendricks at four, I wouldn't be mad about it. Like, that's how much I believe in him as a, as a potential prospect. And I've been seeing a lot of Pacer fans talk about how slow he moves and you know, oh, he's not as athletic as people think. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're watching, but I think Taylor Hendricks is going to be a special player. I love his secondary rim protection as well, um, especially if he were to go to somewhere like Indiana, who has Miles Turner. I just like that fit having a secondary rim protector. But you know, Dallas, they've got a lot of question marks this offseason. They got to figure out how to get this team built correctly around Lucas. So, Fachi, let's go back to you here. You're on the clock for the Orlando Magic. Are you picking your favorite player out of Kansas here for this? I team? don't know how this happened, but I think I am. <laughs> I think at this pick, I'm picking Grady Dick to uh, Orlando Magic. Look, personally, I struggled with any time that Grady Dick was pr- uh, projected to go to the Pacers at seven, I felt it was a reach. However, at pick 11. Sorry, I, I did that a couple times on the show. I know, and I just felt like, you know. <laughs> it's just an Indiana and a white guy thing. It it's is, just people can't help it themselves. <laughs> uh, and, and I wanted to break that, and, I, and I, we're trying to get past that. TJ Leaf was the last guy we did that with. It didn't work out. But, <laughs> so at this point, 11, Orlando Magic, they're getting a very good shooter in Grady Dick. I think this is someone that at 6'7", he could also defend real well. Uh, I'm I'm excited about that pick. I know that the Orlando Magic already have a ton of young, really good talent. You have Franz Wagner there. You already have Paulo at the four. But it just feels like there was no center that you could even talk yourself into taking. And, hey, how do we take a, a jump over here? So I feel like Grady Dick is that guy that makes sense for them, especially after they went uh, Anthony Black earlier at the guard spot. I feel like this is a, a pretty decent pick for the Magic at 11. What's your guys' thoughts? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh, uh, oh sorry. No, yeah, I, I was just going to step in because I, I watched Grady play this year in person um, when he came to Austin when Kansas played Texas, uh, which Texas won. That was really fun time, actually. But um, Grady Dick got shut down in that game. But, you know, from the games I watched outside of that, he can do a lot more than just shoot threes. I think people mm-hmm. think he's like a like a Duncan Robinson type, and he's not. He can, like, put the ball on the deck. He can attack can attack the basket he even has like flashes of playmaking like he can do a lot on the offensive end I think again good floor spacer because the dude has like serious range at six foot eight I think he was six seven at the combine Mm -hmm. they thought he was six nine he's like six seven and a half something like that so um I like I, I love Grady Dick at that at that spot and I think that's like a perfect place for him to land so definitely a good yeah. pick by the magic there 
I think Orlando needs more shooting. That's what I was going to say, especially when they drafted Anthony Black here in the earlier part of this draft. Like he's not a shooter. So getting more shooting surrounding this team, I think just opens up the floor for them even more when he does play. So I actually like the fit a lot. And I think he can, you know, play two or three. Maybe if you go super small, he could play small ball four a little bit. I don't know defensively how that would work, but I think offensively it could work. So I'm intrigued there. I'm going to keep it moving here for the Thunder. Uh, I will ask you guys this because I'm torn a little bit between on what position to take here. So just a real quick one word answer. What uh, position do you think the Thunder should take your Steven? Wing. Keenan. Wing. Fachi. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going, I'm going kind of a wing, but it's more of a four. I'm going to go Leonard Miller here. I have been a big Leonard yes. Miller fan. Love me. Since Let's go, dude. I wanted Leonard Miller last year at the Pacers pick at 31 when they had that pick. And I thought this guy is going to be special. I can just feel it. I see it. And he was like one of those late draft ads because of his age eligibility. He ended up dropping out, going to the G league, had a, an awesome season for the G league. And I thought he actually really played well the month of March towards the end of that uh, season. And I thought, okay, this is a guy that makes sense to me next to someone like Chet Holmgren. I I think that his rebounding, the shot Mm -hmm. is still funky. He's going to have to work on that form. But I love Leonard Miller as a player overall. And I think the Thunder love these kind of players, guys with big wingspans that just kind of do a little bit of everything. And I think that if he goes to OKC, he's going to fit in right away. And look, this is a team that loves Canadian players as well as the Pacers. So we're going to give them another Canadian player here in Leonard Miller. Steven, I see you kind of shaking your head. Don't know if you hate this pick or not, but explain to me why you do or don't like this. Uh, I just think that the talk around Leonard Miller is exceeding anything that I that I have watched this year. Um, it's not to say that I don't like him, right? But mm-hmm. I just I think that it's there. There is just a lot of talk on him at this like at this pick. And I think that the praise about him is that he's just going to be like a like his it sounds like his ceiling is just going to be like a really good role player. And I don't know if like that's the type of player that if I have a lottery pick that I want to invest a lot of capital. And now the Thunder are are a team that can afford to do that. Right. With the players that they have on, on, on their team. But like when you're talking about drafting a guy who you expect like when you talk about him, like the first thing that we talk about is his rebounding like and his motor. And it's just like, are you looking to draft, you know, a Kenneth Fareed at, at 12 with with the rest of the players that are in this deep draft class? You know, he's taller than Kenneth, but there's a lot of the same type of some like a lot of the same type of discussion with skill sets. Uh, yeah. I don't mean to be like a wet blanket with him or anything like that. It's just that um, I just think that the that the talk about him is just that it's it seems to be more of like a. Uh, like a personality thing almost with him than it is like a uh like a projection thing at least yeah. from what i'm seeing but that but that's just yeah. me man like I, i'm wrong all the time <laughs> hey i mean that's the great thing about the draft is you can be right or wrong and you never know i mean uh let's just look at last year i mean jalen williams jumped up really you know up to this yeah. spot and he was not on anybody's radar at this pick so i just maybe it's people just projecting a little bit because of what they did last year and that that's happened that happens all the time whenever you're evaluating prospects and stuff like that but um because of time sick let's keep it moving here at 13 steven who do you got i got a guy who i have ridiculously high compared to the consensus he's the seventh best player on my board and that's jalen hutchfino oh wow because you're that high on him okay uh, i love jalen hutchfino and the, what I'll just talk like this because everybody can can watch him and, and formulate their own opinions. 
when Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander was drafted, he was taken at about this range. When y'all's guy Tyrese Halliburton was drafted, he was drafted at about this range. Now with Jalen, he plays the, he can snake his way into any spot that he wants. He plays with a mature pace and he did that playing in an archaic system at Indiana with a, uh, another high usage player in Trace Jackson Davis, who I also like. I just think that on an NBA's team with his, uh, what I mentioned earlier with uh, Amen Thompson, the level of feel that he has, the way that he plays with unique pace all to himself, those types of players typically have a high rate of success at the next level. I just see the mid-range game, the ball handling, the court vision, the defensive upside with him, and then obviously the projection of a three-point shot. Yeah, Guys like him at this spot, this is where they typically get drafted, but on redrafts, they typically get drafted way higher. So that's why I'm going to go yeah. take him here for the Raptors. Fachi, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hudjafino? I mean, hey, obviously I know someone that you are very familiar with. This is uh, this is probably the earliest I've seen him go. Uh, I've seen him on a lot of mocks, you know, maybe around – 18 or so, but I think that the upside's definitely there. And I think that that's someone that at one point, I mean, I want to say he was, but it's kind of like a back end. This was talking about a couple months ago, back end of the first round, and he's been moving up. So mm-hmm. maybe come draft time, maybe this is, is a very realistic pick. Yeah, I would have I would have gone a little bit more upside here if I were the Raptors, uh, in my opinion. Even though I love Jalen Huchifino and I think they need a point guard. Uh, because we don't know what Fred Van Lee is going to do. I really like the idea of maybe Keontae George or Gigi Jackson here at 13 for me personally, for what this Raptors team does. But without Nick Nurse, I'm just curious how they're going to kind of redo this whole thing. So without a coach right now, I think they're kind of hard to predict what they're going to do. But let's keep it moving. Pelicans at 14. Keenan, who you got? Yeah, so Pelicans need shooting. They kind of need a wing. So that leaves like three guys in this range, right? Okay. Sensible, Jet Howard, but I'm going to go with Dariq Whitehead. Here. Nice. Um, Dariq Whitehead, I think this is a huge value play. I think his his um, his value really deteriorated due to his injury-riddled season, but I think he can be a playmaking wing. Uh, I mean, he's got good size. He's six foot six. He shot over 40% uh, from three, so – he can shoot the uh, shoot the hell out of the ball, and uh, I just think all around offensively, he's like a super talented guy. There's a reason he was like a top five prospect uh, coming out of high school, like top five recruit in the country. I think on rivals where I work, I think he was number one or number two. Um, but yeah, I think I think Whitehead is a great pickup here for the Pelicans at 14 because if you just said this before the season started, nobody would have said Derek Whitehead would fall to 14. Yeah, I, I love Derek Whitehead. I think he's a really interesting prospect. I think that he really started coming on, too, at the end of the season for Duke. Obviously, they flamed out early in the tournament, but I really do like him as an overall player. I'm very curious to see how his NBA career goes because he could really, I mean, anywhere from in this draft, he could be a lottery pick. He could fall down to 2023. I mean, I think his range is very all over the place, but I think he's that polarizing of a prospect that you have to consider him at this range. So, Fachi at 15, the Hawks are on the clock. Who are you taking for the Hawks? Going with Bryce Sensiball here. I think one of the, the better shooters in this draft. You're going to get a 40% three-point shooter that I think will very much translate to the NBA. I think for the Hawks, hey, you got Trey Young. You got a really good passer. You brought in DeJounte Murray. Well, you know what? You need shooters around him. And I think that after you know dealing Kevin Herter in the past, I think that you're able to get another really good shooter in Bryce Sensiball that I think uh, could help them out long-term. Yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on this, Keenan. 
Yeah, um, I just mentioned him as, uh, you know, like a sort of a sharp shooting wing. Um, Ohio State had a rough season. Uh, I don't even remember. I don't think they made the tournament. Um, but Sensabaugh was like a sensation as a freshman, an absolute uh, scoring uh, scoring stud and uh, just a really good shooter. Um, got good size, too, at the wing spot. I think he's like six uh, – uh, six six and change. Yeah, six six two thirty five. So he's built too. He's got a little bit of strength to him. Uh, he doesn't get back down as easily if he's playing perimeter defense. Somebody tries to back him down a little bit. Um, I think Sensabaugh is a good pick. Are we talking about Buffkin? Did I completely miss you guys? No, it? that's my oh, next no, pick. No, no, no. In. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was like talking about the wrong guy the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like Sensabaugh at fifteen a lot for the Hawks. They uh, it would be really good to get them a wing that can play more and can shoot. Yeah, I think Bryce has a really interesting game. Uh, I'm excited to see where he goes because I've seen some people over. I know ceilings have been like their top five, top ten. I feel yes. like, yeah, so there's there's people all over the board with Bryce. Uh, I know Mark Schindler at one point, he was very high on him when he talked with Sam Bassini on, on the Game Theory pod. So I have Bryce in like the 15 to 20 range. So this is probably the earliest I'd want to take Bryce just because I worry about his defense. But uh, I'm going to make our last pick here for this part, one of the draft with the Jazz once again. And because I didn't get a guard earlier on, I'm going to get a guard here. Kobe Bufkin is my pick for the Utah Jazz. I just I feel like this is a team that just needs to add talent. I think Kobe Bufkin continues to rise up the board. I think he, he'll probably be a lottery pick. I think if I were to like maybe swap one here, maybe I switch Jalen Hitchafina with Kobe Bufkin with maybe what happens. Hater. I'm nice saying what maybe <laughs> happens on draft night. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm not saying no, everyone's hate. No, I'm just I'm I actually think Hitchafina might have a better NBA career than Kobe Bufkin. I agree with you yeah. on that because I'm a Hitchafino fan. I'm an IU fan as well. But um I just I just feel like Bufkin came on kind of late. And people were like, man, this Michigan team's all over the place. Jed Howard, mm. um, obviously the uh, the big white guy that transferred to Kansas. I'm forgetting his name now. but uh, Hunter Dickinson. Hunter yeah. Dickinson. Yeah, I can't stand that guy um, <laughs> as an IU fan. But uh, Kobe, sure, yeah. Yeah, Kobe Bufkin, though, to me is a really good guard. I think that yeah. is the right pick here for the Jazz. Anybody have anything to say about that, Fachi? No, I think I think it's a good pick. I mean, uh, we talked about earlier they they snagged uh, Jarris Walker to be able to add Kobe Buffkin. I think you're really starting to round out this team for you know a team that is uh, entering or in the midst of a rebuild. Absolutely. So there is the first 16 picks. We'll be back tomorrow with pick 17 through 32. So hang tight, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed that. And if you're not already, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to y'all later. Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping everything.